Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 52.1. That means we've been doing 52 weeks, maybe. I don't know. We've probably had a week off here or there, made up with it with two episodes in one week. Who knows? A couple of bonus apps in there, a couple of point ones. I don't know. Here we go. We're going to talk about Adelaide United and a, a loss at home to Sydney. We've also got FFA Cup final action, which we'll get to as well. Let's kick it off with the Friday night uh, Adelaide 1, Sydney FC 2. Tommy Fort on the other side of the interwebs. What you got for me? It's just, it's never a quiet night at Highmarsh, is it? It doesn't matter if you or I go or if we're both not there. It's, it's an experience and I can't believe we don't sell this stadium out every week because it is just uh, you know a smorgasbord of football entertainment it is you don't always get the joy as an Adelaide fan but you do get the excitement um, I believe it was Andy Harper on the coverage before the game in the studio was also saying how much he loves uh, Adelaide United games just because it's always excitement and I think that speaks a lot to the way we try and go about uh, the sport yeah no for sure uh, there's there's something about the way that we play. And I think we're going to get into maybe the pivot and the way that we set up. Yeah, we'll do um, that. But we are always in the contest in the last 10 minutes. And that when you've got a home crowd that is trying to galvanize a team over the line with 10 minutes ago, whether there's a goal to be scored to win it or equalize, you know, there's, there's something special about that. And that's something Adelaide United have created every, pretty much every home game this season. Definitely. Uh, before I go any further into the actual football, just on what you said there about the crowd, obviously our numbers are quite down on what they would usually be, but even still, they're still creating a decent football atmosphere at High Miles. It's a decent experience. Um, when you look around, especially at some of the other, I'll say shit going on in shit. the league, like I watched MacArthur and Wellington the other day in Campbelltown. This is meant to be where MacArthur play, and there's like, uh, just take your pick of where you want to sit. Um, you could probably even go up to a seat that's taken and ask them to move, and they will, because the stadium is that fucking empty. It's ridiculous. We're seeing it at so many grounds, but Adelaide people still turn up. They still get around their football team, and they get rewarded with the excitement each week, whether we win or lose. Whether we win or lose, yeah, exactly. I mean, I love that. You could go to a MacArthur game, and you could maybe tap the Weslow on the shoulder and be like, hey, can I sit in this seat? Is that okay? And they'll look around, and they'll be like, you know what? Who gives a fuck, man? This is a 30,000 30, seat stadium and you can, you're can you one of 2,000 people. You can see wherever the hell you want. Adelaide United, though, you know, maybe this is because of the uh, $20 cap tickets, which is a great idea. I heartily support it. Um, there, was a, there was a good amount of people in the stadium. There was only standing room in the North End and it's great to see. It's great to see. Yeah, chockers, sold out, packed. Punta. Yeah. Um, On to the actual football. Enough of your sarcastic notes about crowds. Uh, What did you think? I guess we'll just jump straight into it again. But I fucking tell you what, I said it a few weeks ago. I'll say it again. I don't want to see Isaias and Wanday playing the exact same role in this midfield. I just, I'm I'm done with it. Carl was even getting angry at it because I could hear him yelling at one of them or the other that they weren't in the right spot. And it's because neither of them can play the position he wants them to play together. 
Yeah, because how can you have two players playing one position? It doesn't fucking work, Carl, man. Relax. Reevaluate. Have a look. But, you know, I've almost turned a corner on the double pivot in the six with one day and Isaias playing next to each other. I almost think it's a, it's, a, it's a deliberate tactic because it keeps us in the game until the last 10 minutes where we can get the crowd involved and we're only chasing a single goal. And, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I feel like Carl's tactic is to invoke mistakes of the opposition because they're going to make mistakes. And we have seen it week on week on week, the opposition make mistakes. And Sydney were making the same mistakes that we have been foreshadowing throughout the entire of the season. That is a very fair point. I'll take that. Um, so you're saying it's like a, uh, by having Izzy had and Juande there, whatever, whatever it uh, takes away in our creativity in attack, it secures up the fact that we don't have the strongest back line. Exactly. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it also is a big part of why we do retain the ball really well each week. Um, I don't know. I guess we just, I feel like we can get more. It's frustrating to watch at times. It does keep us in the game. It keeps us. We do have exciting finishes, but I find it is frustrating when we have these long spells on the ball and can't really create much with it. You know, we got, we created one really good chance from Craig Goodwin, got down the wing and put in an excellent cross to Ibasuki, who his header was saved and then Steph scored the rebound. Aside from that, we were relying on penalties again to paper over some cracks. Yeah, no, I can understand that as well. Um, you know, this is probably why we signed Zach Cloth. Hopefully he is the attacking midfielder we've been longing for. Yeah, the guy hopefully. that is going to break open games and is going to be the forward momentum player that we are hoping for. But, you know, every game that goes on, I can almost see the benefit of playing the double six pivot with Izzy and Wante because it does secure the back line because the back line is weak. And we saw Barr get exposed for the first goal. You know, the can sober move, it's not a great move in and of itself, but it definitely showed Bar up, man. He was beaten all ends up. He was convincingly, you know, towed in that move. Yeah, he was. I don't want to go too hard on the guy. Um, I don't think he had a great game. I don't think he was awful, though. Um, I didn't notice him. He didn't seem to try the same sort of passes Trat does. So, <laughs> I mean... Trap turns it over all the time, but Lockie didn't try those passes. So it'd be unfair to, you know, compare those aspects. Yeah, no, it's unfair for sure. But I'm just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm all for this guy starting and I would rather yep. him start every game from here on in. But you got to recognize that Cam Sober is not the world beater that, you know, some of the media is making him out to be. He is a run fast, quick feet, hit and hope merchant. And, you know, he got exposed in that because he got beaten left, beaten right. And then the guy's just taking a hit and has hit the post. And maybe, maybe Gauchi should be a little bit more at fault there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, it, I think you're like a goal. that shouldn't have been conceded. I think you're a little harsh on Elvis. Um, he's always looked, especially in like MPL and stuff. He's always looked exceptionally talented. Uh, it was surprising to a lot of people that it took him so long to get a go in the A-League um, and that it wasn't with Adelaide. And then it, he seemed to look horrible for Melbourne victory. And then Sydney somehow have seen something there 
and they've taken him, given the chance. I think he has had a good season. And the point you make about Carl banking on other teams making mistakes is the same thing that works in Elvis Kamsoba's favour in this league. Is he is skillful and he is quick. He's not. I think he's much better than like a Trent Buhaja who uh, lacks almost any skill at all. He just runs fast in a straight line. Elvis makes smart runs. He runs side to side. He dribbles with the ball as well. Um, and he does put teams, uh, through his own skill or through media hype, he does put teams under pressure um, and they look a bit panicked. And credit to him for his goal. I don't know if I want to hang anything on Gauchi for that goal because it is near post, but it, he gets so close to goal that Gauchi has a lot of goal to cover. <laughs> Because Elvis, course, has, yeah. Elvis has gotten so close at that point because the defense were backing off. Um, not just Bar, but some of the other the other players around him as well. Lopez doesn't really track very well there. No, um, he doesn't. No. But yeah, it's definitely an avoidable goal. Yeah, it, it's funny in the movement because you can see Jakobsen shoving Bar into the position in which he should be, and you know that obviously leaves me exposed. I'm with you. I don't. I don't think a keeper being beaten at his near post is the biggest travesty that they make it out to be, because there's so many different not variables always, and no. circumstances yeah. on which a keeper could get beat at his near post. It's not that big a deal. That the bit that when people rave on about keepers being beaten at the near post, it always that's one of those old, like I, yeah, it's a trope. <laughs> in the last episode of this week, I talked about talk sport and the dumb shit they say. Like it's just old dinosaur tropes that you know when you're keeping. I kept for years and sometimes you get beaten in the near post because you're so exposed and you're also, you're anticipating the square ball to a tap in that you need to cut off as well. Because if anything comes across your six yard box, people are going to be all over you for not claiming stuff in your six yard box. So you've got so many areas to cover. And once the player, the attacking player gets as close as Elvis did there, like I said before, you know, you're, you're hoping it almost hits you unless he doesn't get any power on it. No, exactly. Yeah, you're hoping it deflects randomly. He has mishit it or, you know, this came in off the post. So it was yeah. a very direct shot and, you know, a good goal, fine. I'll, I'll admit to it. Good goal, fine. From a, It's one of those, from an Adelaide perspective, there's things you can look at, sure, and say it's avoidable. But I do, I like, I don't want to become, you know, those those commentators you hear in the Premier League that criticise every goal that's scored, like there's mm. always something a defender could have done. If the defenders were all perfect all the time, every game would be nil all. So I, I like to credit the attacker for taking it on. Yeah. No, and he deserved though. He deserved the goal. Do you think Bobo deserved his goal though? I can't even, can I even recall it right now? Do you remember now? it? No. I can't even remember it right now. Because there was, all I remember was the Elvis goal and then the penalty controversies. I remember our goal. I don't remember Bobo's. You don't have to run me through. Maybe we can skip past Bobo and just go to the penalty drama. Fuck Bobo. We'll go to the penalty drama. Ibasuki, he should obviously score the first penalty, which is a penalty. No yes. doubt. Yes. Yeah. Motore, obviously quick feet, quick feet, shifts his body weight, shifts the ball as well, and he's taken out. It's definitely a penalty. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But yeah. You know, the strike that Ibasuki entails upon Howard Bell, who, you know, in the wake of this game has been all sorts of credited with, 
you know, the new Socceroos goalkeeper, you know, the new number one Australian goalkeeper. Because he plays for Sydney. Yeah, exactly. And it's it just feeds into what we we're talking about in, in the regular European pod. It's, he's already he's already being hailed as like the next like Socceroo goalkeeper. And he's Swartzer. He's yeah. barely played a game for Sydney. Exactly. He's only there because Redmayne's injured, which is Is he Redmayne it, injured? He was on the bench. I don't think he's injured. I don't I think uh, there's something wrong with him for sure. But otherwise, he'll be playing, right? He was on the bench. Uh, just quickly on that, there is a stat that um, Redmayne, I don't think, has ever been booked in like fucking forever A-League games. Uh, he got booked on the weekend <laughs> on the bench when when the penalty was saved. Do you know how? Like, I saw that as well, and I was just thinking, what what has he done to be able to get booked in this situation? I don't know. He may he may have got carried away. I don't know if he said something about the penalty even being given in the first place. Like, uh, which would be know. wrong. I don't know, but yeah. Um, uh, this penalty killed me because I can't stand people taking penalties like idiots. Yeah, with the stutter step, the stutter step is the surefire sign of an idiot. Craig Goodwin did it the other week, and I had to call him an idiot, and I hated that. It killed me inside to call Craig Goodwin an idiot because he's not an idiot, and he's my favorite player. And why would he do that? I was furious. And now Ibasuki's done it late in the game, chance to equalize. He's been he's had such a good impact when we play the ball to his strengths, and then he has a chance from the spot to score a penalty, and it just I uh, just start a step. Why? 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 You why see it from the still it? photo, man. The goalkeeper has moved before he struck the ball. If Ibasuki had any sort of, you know, and I had a look, I had a look in his career. He hasn't scored many, if any, penalties. And it just it makes you wonder why Wande didn't take. He would be my penalty taker because he scored them for Perth previously. I feel like he should have stepped up. and. Yeah, someone, uh, we've had, someone else has mentioned this to me a lot of times um, in recent months, but Wande is... Apparently, I haven't checked this, but yeah, apparently one day did take lots of penalties for Perth and was very good at it. Um, you know, I can understand him not taking it with if Steph's there and Craig's there, but uh, they weren't there. So why? Why? I don't. Know, I don't know. I guess you should be able to trust your striker to step up and take the penalty. He just fucked it. Maybe I think there are some strikers that can't take penalties, and I look. I wouldn't. You know. Yeah, and I in, try and hang too much shit on them for that. No, no, I wouldn't. But in that case, the strikers should know, you know, and do the selfless thing and say, "I don't want this one," you know, and give it up. Um, give I'm it up big, to the. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a, if a striker wants the pen, uh, let him have it till they miss one. Um, he's already missed one, so you know. That's it. No more. You never no again, more. hero. No more hero. Uh, do you want to talk about the second? Uh, well. It wasn't a second pen because it wasn't given. Oh, I just, what is there to say? I mean, maybe that, no, no, probably it is on us to say because, you know, the general A-League media hasn't really talked about this and it was cut out of the Paramount highlights package and there's really, there's really been no chat about it whatsoever post the game. Uh, it was just 100 out of 100 times a penalty and he hasn't called it. Mainly because he's called a penalty maybe five minutes previous. I don't know. Yeah. My initial thoughts at full speed were that it looked it looked like both players had just grabbed each other and gone down. I was pretty okay with it. And then from the replays I saw from Paramount, which were just like 
two seconds long, so you couldn't actually see the whole sequence of play. Um, it still looked to me, I was, it was still too iffy for me to tell. When you see it in full again and watch it back, it's pretty stonewall. Um, <laughs> I guess this is karma to us for saying the other week that we want we want referees to go over, look at the VAR screen and stick with their original decision. But this is this is not what I meant. <laughs> this is not what I meant. What the fuck, A-League? Be careful what you wish for, man. This is like, this is the Stones illustrating everything that they've fucking written in their career. I... <sighs> This is the one time where you should go to the screen and see that it is a penalty. It is a penalty, man. He's not looking at the ball. Yeah. Do you reckon the guy sitting in the VAR booth is like, when he's, when he's looked at it and then gone, nah, no penny. The guy in the VAR is like, what the fuck? Yeah. What are you doing right now, man? I told like, you to look. Fucking high? I told you to look at this because it's blatant. Um, you know, I, don't, I hate getting onto the sounding like a conspiracy, conspiratorial fucking whatever tinfoil hat wearing idiot but like sydney fc this is the sort of club that over the years of the a-league this sort of thing i would say like 80 to 90 percent of the time falls in their favor i mean it happened only a week before where they scored the offside goal and you just you continually rack it up and you think how can one side be so advantageous with wrong VAR calls. Don't make me harp on about season one Dwight York things again. Don't make yeah, me do no, it. exactly. Don't make or me do it. Or Strillitz being over the salary cap and them only copying three-point deduction. Like, it's... Yeah. All There's... of it, it's just, it's just baffling. It's just totally baffling, man. I don't know if it's... It, it wouldn't... I don't think it would be deliberate on a referee's part because it's not good for their career. Um, or is it? But or is it because you think about it, the CEO of Sydney is also the CEO of the APL. Yeah, it's all you talk about Adam Kersey, you know, it, it is all shifty. I, yeah, like I said, I don't want to sound like one of those tinfoil yeah. hat wearers, but it is just so it's there's definitely got to be a thing in the subconscious of referees, but these sort of things and Sydney are just you know, it's bloody <laughs> it just go together. Name a more iconic duo than dodgy decisions and Sydney being. You know, the benefit of it. Precisely. It's too coincidental for it not to be a meme. So where do we go from here? I don't know. We just accept the loss and we I do move also, on. Yeah. So I do also want to stress that um, at the time on the night, I was more annoyed about the first missed penalty, you know, because at the end of the day, we did have the chance. I always like to think you should, you, you can do things throughout a game to take the referee's decisions out of, like being a factor and we literally did have that chance. I'm not saying that absolves the referee of any blame, but you know, we had the chance, the referee gave us the chance initially to, you know, get ourselves out of this with a point. Um, didn't happen. It did not happen. No. And we did not start playing until the last 10 minutes anyway. So overall, I didn't think we deserved much from the game. I don't and, think so either, no. Yeah, to be awarded a penalty and to have a non-awarded penalty in the last five minutes, it, re- it didn't reflect what happened because Caceres ripped us open. He was brilliant. You know, Cam Sober was good. Bahaja was, was good. good. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, were, we were beaten by a better time. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, Caceres is, I was telling you last week about, I think he's one of the better players in the competition. He's, uh, as an A-League player, like if you're looking for someone who's had like a really consistent, solid A-League career throughout time, uh, Caceres is someone I always think of. Um, Milos Ninkovic as well, but he had a really poor night um, and they, it didn't matter for them in the end. Um, I just wanted to talk about, going back to, because we're talking about how Adelaide not really being in the game except for that one moment where we were. And that was because Craig Goodwin did, I mentioned it earlier, but Craig Goodwin gets forward, gets in an excellent cross. Ibasuki wins the header, impact, and then Steph goes and scores the goal. How are you feeling now about the Steph uh, departure? Well, what's happening with it? Is he going? That was meant to be his last game, yes. Yes, so that that's it now. We're never going to see was, him again. It was rumored that last week was, and then in the build-up to the Sydney game, they said that was 100% going to be his last game, um, which leads me to ask why he was given only 50-odd minutes and then taken off. And then taken off. Because I understand uh, you want to give him like the send-off or whatever, but we ended up really needing him in the latter stages of that game. And all of a sudden, we've used a sub on taking off a player who, well, like I said, we, we really needed in that second half and who, you know, like why, why start if you're just going to take him off anyway? Like, I, I don't know. Like, if you're, if you're able to play the game, you're there for, to try and get a result. You're not there to just get a cameo uh, or like a, a token send-off type thing. I, I think, I'm, I don't know if that makes sense. I know what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> no, I totally understand what you're saying. I, for this particular performance in the context, I would forgive Mork given that um, he had an illness, inverted commas, illness in the previous game. Not okay. COVID. Okay. Not COVID. All right. Maybe he did not have you know the fitness or the capacity to run out 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever. It didn't look like when he came off that it was a finale, though. Do, do you get the impression that he was applauding to the crowd or he was giving it up to the the home fans that he was never coming back? I, I don't know. I didn't get that. I don't know. He's never really struck me as that sort of bloke, though. So Yeah, that could be it as well. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't have been playing him if he's going to go now. We should be playing, you know, Louis Dorigo. Or we should be playing Josh Cavallo in that position. Like, just if he's yeah. going to be leaving for the last three weeks or however long it's been, yep. just get rid of him. Just fuck it. Play the guys that are going to be at the club now for the rest of the season. Yep. So I have two more notes for you on this game. One positive, one negative. Um, Craig Goodwin will start with first being the negative because he's as good as he is and was, again, um, briefly, he went down injured and then had to go off at half time. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it looked okay. It almost looked like he just, the Amini foul wasn't a great foul, but it wasn't a booking either. I don't know. It almost looked like he just caught him on the top of his, on like the broad of his foot, and maybe that was bruised up and he didn't want to risk it. Uh, it doesn't think, look too serious. What do you think? I think on comms they said it was, uh, that Craig said it was when they he had the shot on goal. And oh, really? That was okay. saved, um, which I, I, would, I expected him to bury that chance too. Um, yeah. So. But yeah, either way, uh, I was completely petrified the moment he went down. 
Uh, but fingers crossed, I can't see, you know, I've, I've had a look on the web and I can't see too much about it. So, um, I think it'd be okay. Yeah. I think oh, it'd be okay. I'm, it looked like I'm a contact okay. challenge, right? Yeah. Just a bit of bruising. So I didn't mm. go down and be right. Um, the other one I wanted to finish off as a positive was I thought this week, especially we got a, we got a lot more positivity out of Lockie Brook. Yes. Uh, do you think because we started him? Do you think that's what it was? I, I think so. And I hope this is a sign of, um, you know, things to come. I'm not saying he was excellent, but he certain, certainly showed signs. Um, and hopefully he can build on that and grow. He, he would want to if he still is serious about his career at uh, Brentford or in the UK. Exactly. And it offers competition to Bernardo as well, which is nice. We don't have to start the kid every single week. It's nice to alternate between the two. Um, Lockie Brook has, you know, immense talent and his delivery is brilliant. And I think, you know, in an ideal situation, you've got Goodwin on one side and you've got Brook on the other side. You've got Ibasuki in the middle and you're just whipping in deadly balls and he's burying them for the rest of the season. And I would love to see Ibasuki score 10 goals on his head. Is it going to happen? Maybe not. Um, but that's how I'd be working towards it for sure. It's definitely uh, it's given us a target though at the very least, Ibasuki. It's exactly. given us a it's given us a presence there. He occupies defenders, scoring uh, two goals already um, and making a nuisance of himself. That teams will take notice, so they'll have to do a job on him, and that should hopefully free up some other you know attacking threats. In saying that, though, Sammy um, had a yes. couple of had a couple of people report to me they were at the ground for the Sydney game and they thought Ibasuki was. A little bit like a baby giraffe. He didn't really hold himself in the challenge that well. Um, you know, throughout the context of the game, over 90 minutes, he wasn't involved enough. Is that a problem potentially? I don't think he was great, but I a couple of things. I, I don't I think it would be harsh to criticize him for his involvement in the game, considering we as a team weren't really in the game. Um, and when you're up front and your team's not in the game, you're going to struggle to have any sort of impact at all. Also, he did have those moments. The balls that were coming into him a lot were like flicked on goal kicks or like um, long balls kind of aimed towards him. And he was being marked by like Alex Wilkinson and whoever, I'm not sure who the other centre-back was, but Alex Wilkinson is one of the top most experienced defenders in this country. Um and, you know, he, he's not easy to beat. He's a big, tall, strong, imposing player as well. So I, I'm not too worried about that at all. Yeah, no, fair enough. We'll see how he goes against maybe weaker opposition or, you know, in a game It's that, still a watch and see, you know, yeah, I think. Of course, he's very new. He's very new. But promising, promising start. So we, can only, we need to be positive, I think. Um, we, have exactly. a, we have a bad history in Adelaide, I think, of getting on the backs of new players very quickly mm-hmm. and very quickly deciding that they're not good enough. Sergio Guardiola, for yep. one. Uh, we had Miguel Palanca came in. I don't know if you remember. He came in for like a month. from his, He played in an El Clasico for Real Madrid. I remember playing. You know, you, don't, not, you cannot be a nobody in football if you've done that. So, um, you know, just lay off him. Everyone relax. Get around him, get behind him. 
it's too easy in a small city like this as well to quickly pick up the vibe that you're not liked. And I think like George Blackwood is someone I think has the, I think he felt the vibe years ago that people didn't rate him or didn't like him. Um, and I'd, I'd hate for that to happen with Hero as well. So just stay on it. Get on him. Get around him. Support get around him. Yeah. Two and four is pretty good. Yep. Shall we talk about the FFA Cup final, soon to be renamed Straya Cup and formerly known as the Adelaide Invitational? Thank you. Where do you want to start with this one? Melbourne Victory beating Central Coast Mariners. Did you catch this? I did catch this. Uh, should we start with... It should have been held in Gosford. I can't understand why they would do this. Shall I Shall I start with, firstly, before we do that, with telling everyone that uh, you told me you didn't see the end because you turned it off because you were too salty Melbourne were winning. And I fucking love that. Yep, that's how I roll. I, I love as that. As soon as I go two up and I can see them winning a football match, I'm just like, nah, fuck this. I don't want to see him celebrate. I don't want to see him win. <laughs> I don't care. Now we can talk about the fact that it probably should have been in Gosford. Yeah, thank you. I mean, State your how, case. Could, how could you give it to Melbourne Victory when they hadn't even booked their place in the final yet? The only side that was in the final was the Mariners. And you add on top of that the fact they couldn't register the cum dog and you just ask yourself, what are we really doing here? What is the point of the FA Cup if not to accentuate you know, the suburban teams, the teams that aren't Melbourne, the teams that aren't Sydney? Uh, yeah, I'd argue the whole point is to help grow the game in Australia, grow the domestic, the club level game. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I harp on about like integrity a lot of competitions, but this is a sort of situation where once the Mariners make that final, you're going, yeah, this has to be in Gosford. When you look at what's going on at the Central Coast at the moment in terms of their crowds and the state of their club, they they probably needed this. They probably needed a home final here. You would have got great numbers out on a summer's Saturday night in Gosford, a cup final um, in their nice little kind of stadium they got up there. It, I, I, I fucking loved the spectacle at Amy Park. I love Amy Park as a football stadium. But for the sake of the game, I thought it would have made sense to put it in Central Coast uh, maybe you snare a few extra fans that get out for a final and then decide to stick around and continue supporting the club. Um, it just ties back into some of the a lot of the worries. I have genuine worries about the future of the league and the future of a lot of the, I guess, their franchises, not clubs. Yeah, that's the trade-off, isn't it? You think about the limbs that you saw for the victory second goal. And like it's it's awesome to see twenty thousand people at Amy Park and watching their FA Cup final, but you know for the development of the league and the continuation of you know the growth of all the clubs that are still existing within it, this final should have been held in Gosford because you would have seen a sold out Central Coast Stadium without a shadow of a doubt. That's exactly what happens with this Cup final. Definitely, um, but it wasn't. So it was not. <laughs> it wasn't. It was in Melbourne. And I have, I have to admit, once I turned on the footage and I saw that that north end of Amy Park was packed, I know in, Mel- in Adelaide we love to hate Melbourne, but as a football fan, firstly, I love when the Melbourne Victory fans are absolutely pumping and making noise. 
it just it makes for such a better spectacle to watch. Um, and it did. And thankfully, they were there because the first half, the football was pretty poor. Yeah, it was. A, is it atrocious too much? I don't know. Maybe they were just really cagey and they didn't want to lose the final. It, it was cagey. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there was not a lot of attacking movement. There was not a lot of cohesive play between other sides. It was not a cup final right home about, but it definitely opened up in the second half. Oh, my days. It definitely did. Um, I, can only, I can only speculate, obviously, on what went on at halftime. But it looked to me like Melbourne Victory decided that, you know, what, like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's probably a Popovich thing. What the fuck are we doing here? This is a, a cup final. We're at home. We are, you know, Melbourne Victory. We're, we claim to be the biggest club in this country. We should be stepping up and taking this game by the horns. And they did. They came out second half and they just they turned to upper gear and they were excellent. They were really they good it. in that. They were. Yeah, they they were, rolled it, man. Yeah. They rolled them in the second half. They were excellent. Yeah. Pop, it's the Popovich effect. It's, this guy is... The Popolution, they're calling it. It's the Popolution. In the media. <laughs> I don't want to engage in that kind of shit. I don't I'm, want... I've got no Melbourne. time. I've got no time for a word that is Popolution. <laughs> I just I don't want to engage in the Melbourne Victory marketing team in which they are employing now. Oh, we need Melbourne Victory fans to be able to, you know, fucking promote the A-League to the rest of the country. No, we don't. No, we don't. You are the most sing when you're winning fans in the land. But when you are winning, oh, my God, it's so good to see. And Jason Davidson ripping that free kick in saw a reaction that we do not see in Australian football much. And that is a passion and just you know, a kind of, uh, well, you know, uh, well. combined exertedness of relief maybe because, you know, you know, what's funny about this game is that the Mariners and the victory finished 12th and 11th last season yeah, or 10th yeah. and 9th or whatever it was. Some shit. Some shit. <laughs> Both these teams should not be in the FFA Cup final and, you know, Namum victory in the, they're in the Asian Champions League or the, one down from the Asian Champions AFC, League. AFC Cup, something like that. AFC um, Cup, yeah. You think there were scenes after the? <laughs> you think there were scenes after the first goal? There was the, lip. the scenes after the second goal from Economides, and every goal in this game was absolute class. So we had the Jason Davidson free mm-hmm. kick, and then the Economides goal to like you know that it. Really reminded me of the Pablo Sanchez. It's a better goal than Pablo Sanchez's. It is. But yeah. it's the same kind of moment. You're a goal up late in the game. You know that the second goal will seal the game and seal you some silverware. And it, oh, it was a bang and finish. That's Economides has always looked in the A League like a player that I don't know what it is with him. He clearly he has far better talent than a lot of what we have in this league. He just doesn't always produce it for whatever reason. Uh, but you don't, uh, you know, you don't hang around at Lazio for a while if you're no good. So, no, oh, exactly. He should be the best player in this league, and there are some times where he exhibits that. One of one of the best, yeah. I don't know. I reckon he is the most talented player in the league. You're saying he should be the best player in the league. I don't, I don't yeah, know. If he should. Yeah. No, I th- no, I think he should. I think he is the most reckon. talented player in the in the entire Australian division, and that goal is you know, illustrative of it because it just, it stays so hit, man. 
the ball does not move from his left foot to the fucking corner. It's insane. It's an incredible straight goal. line, straight line shit. It obviously straight does. Shit, it obviously yeah. does move from his boot to the goal. Of course, but yeah, it doesn't deviate in the action <laughs> yeah. onto goal. It's yeah. just it's an incredible goal. It's brilliant. But it, which what's incredible of this game is that it gets upstaged. The Bazanic goal is the best goal of the game without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I'm gonna hijack it as well and call him Bosnich. Bosnich, yeah, we've talked about this. Bosnich, I, I have it on authority from uh, Balkans that it should be pronounced Bosnich. From Balkans, not Bosanic. Well, it's, it's a Balkan surname. So it should be Bosnich, yeah. like Bosnich. Yeah, but there's an A in there, so Bosnich. Bosnich. I'm, yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool. Anyway, he. I wanted to talk about him because I think was it, I think last week to you I was really talking him up, and may, maybe the week before, uh, but. This, oh, maybe it was somewhere else, but either way, I rate this guy very, very highly. I think he's one of the better players in the competition too. Um, and he carries Central Coast, I think. Like he is, they've got Urania up front, but Bozanic is head and shoulders above their entire squad in terms of quality football. And also he's got the armband as well. He shows the leadership too. His work rate around the pitch, everywhere, defending, attacking, both penalty boxes. Uh, he is he is excellent. And his goal was it's you know, it, it's kind of a shame that his goal was just a consolation in the end, but still a great goal. Yeah, I mean the Mariners are uh, you know, a team of young footballers. You've got Josh Farrell and the like, you know, there's everyone under the age of twenty. There's four really, really good players under the age of twenty in this side, and they are excelling because of the marshalling of Oli Bosanich. Like, and, you know, we, we said during the week, he's kind of a weird unit. He's not, you know, the guy that you would immediately become friends with, especially if you're in a football club with him. But the guy is immensely talented. And the goal that he scored in this final is unreal. It is just, it is 100% technique. Uh, you know, you've got four players closing you down. It's the 95th minute, you're 2-0 down and you think, Okay, maybe I will try and strike an incredible finish upon goal and we'll yeah. see what we can get from this. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, he deserved it, the goal. He, he was, I thought he was one of the best players on the park, but yeah, given, given how so. the second half went, a lot of the work he did was defensive. Um, but he, in the first half, well, I, either way, I thought he was Central Coast's best player by miles. Um, which brings me to the discussion about the <laughs> the Mark Viduka medal. Mark Viduka medal given to the best on ground in the FFA Cup final, and they gave out they gave out two medals. They gave out joint winners. Um, one was to Jacob Brimmer uh, for Melbourne Victory, and the other was to Kai Rolls for Central Coast. Is this is this an acknowledgement throughout the entirety of the competition? Because I don't I don't think Jackie Brimmer had that good a game. I think um, look, he wasn't incredible. He wasn't flashy. I think it's more a case that no one really stood out individually, and Melbourne Victory dominated that second half, and he kind of ran the midfield. Mm. You know, without doing anything okay, yeah, flashy, yeah, yeah. he just did what he had to do. He worked. He got into like pockets of space, got the ball, and then uh, you know released them forward down the wing or opened them opened them up a bit. Um, so I think that's probably why he got it. I'm not too upset with that. Um, Kai Rolls though, I think he 
you know, he made a few important interventions and he was solid at the back, but like <laughs> maybe Bazanich wasn't playing this game. No, I think Kyrol's a bit of a fan favorite. He is definitely a Fox yeah. Sports guy. He's definitely a Paramount guy. Um, you know, there's lots of tips for him to be in the Socceroos right now, if not right now, definitely in the next qualifying phase. He's going to be the future of the of the national team. So expect to see a lot more of Kai Rolls. He's getting the, you know, the kind of self-important inflation that is needed. Yep. Um, what it's else? Not to Have... say he's not a good player, because I think he's a good player as oh, well. He is, a, he is a good player. Yeah. Um, I just thought they got that. They got that wrong on the night. Another thing I just wanted to bring up was... Sorry, Sam. Who would yeah, you give it to on. then? Who would you give it to? I think just having Brimmer win it on his own would have been... You reckon? Fine. You reckon Brimmer? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I don't think anyone else... No one particularly stood out mm. as an individual. But Brimmer, you know, he, was, he did the standard centre midfield role and... Melbourne Victory did dominate the ball in that second half, and he was part of that midfield that did. Um, and you're not giving it to Lee Broxham, so that leaves Jacob Brimmer. Thankfully. So, um, Thankfully. yeah, that's I would what have I mean. given like, it. I would have personally given it to Kai Rolls because I would have given he was Rolls. the best player. Yeah. Well, I th- if we're doing that, I, like I said, I would have given it to Bazanich. Yeah. You know, but whatever. <laughs> we're not ones deciding. Thankfully. We're not the ones deciding, but yeah, I, I would have. I don't know. You, I don't know how you feel about winning BOG and a losing side. It's weird, isn't it? I, I'm okay with him just giving it to the the guy on the winning team. I don't know. Yeah, okay. It's, yeah, would have been okay with Bremer. Um, I wanted to. I don't know if you're going to like this, but we I guess did not. We did mention the popolution. I do need to talk about the fact that Melbourne Victory have only lost one league game right now. They have, you look at this squad, we just talked about economy, like Economides coming off the bench. Uh, players like Maggiotta not starting in this final. He was on the bench because they had uh, D'Agostino up front, who's quality. They had Falami on the wing, who's decent. Um, Brimmer in the midfield getting the medal. And then at the back, you've got players like Davidson and Matthew Speranovic, Jason Garrier. Um, this is a really good football team. It's a ridiculous team. And it's, you know, it's a sign of there's three teams in this division that spend, you know, four to five times more than the rest of the sides spend in their salary cap. So it, this is not a result that is unexpected. It is not something that should be applauded like it is in the media. I think we have seen a lot of the population and uh, victory back. And of course they're back because they spend five to $6 million a year on their footballers compared to the rest of the sides that spend one to $2 million on their footballers. It's not a big surprise when you go and you grab arguably the most successful Australian manager in Australian football history Given that Ange is not there and Graham Arnold is at the Socceroos, it must be Popovich, right? And then he goes and he, he grabs Economides and he grabs Davidson and Garia and Speranovic. And you think, there of course, Garia. this team should win. Of course, they should win. Yeah. I knew well before I started talking that this was going to be your response. Thank you. You can <laughs> predict me. No, I do, I do take all those points. I just want to, um, I guess what I'm getting at is 
the players themselves and the coach still deserve acknowledgement for you know for being good. Um, the reasons why Melbourne Victory are able to assemble the best team in the competition are, are what you said. That's a different thing, I think. So um, I still think there's room there to give the credit where it's due to individuals amongst that. But as a whole, as a squad, you're right. They are able to do that because of you know all the reasons you just said. Are they not just the Perth Glory substitute? They have no. the Perth Glory manager. They have the Perth Glory's best players. And they are also singing Perth Glory's song at the end of a game. So this just looks like an imitation no. Perth Glory is based what? in Melbourne. How many ex-Perth players do they have in their team? Uh, I think it's at least four. Name them. Uh, well, Garrier, Davidson, Economides. Garrier. Popovich. Popovich plays, does he? Well, he's part of the Perth unit. Thank you. Is he? Can we hang tight while I Google Jason Garrier? He may not have. I feel like he's been Economides. at. I feel like he's been at Melbourne for twenty years. He definitely went. He went to Japan for a little bit, didn't he, Garrier? He, he played, went to Asia at some he, point. He played. Jason Garrier played 107 games for Melbourne Victory between 2013 and 2018. Holy shit. Then he went to he went to a team in Japan, uh, mm. United Chiba. Uh, he then, 2021, he played 13 games for Perth, but then moved Thank you. straight back to Melbourne. Thank you. So that's that's two. That's yeah. Economides and that's Davidson, Economides, Garrier, Popovich. Uh, you said four players, and one you've named three, and one's a coach. So, yeah, Popovich may as well be a player, given his influence and uh, his winning ability. Still, there's seven other players in that team. I, I just, I think they deserve some credit. I know it kills you inside, but they deserve some credit, and they are, they are a good football team to watch. They are. No, you are. No, you're right. You're right, Sam. You're right. You always try and force this fucking. <laughs> you try and force this, you know, sensibility upon me, and I don't want to listen to it. But no, you're right. You're right. They're a good team to watch, and it's it's good to see the victory fans celebrating the yeah. way that they did. You know, you don't mind them storming the field over the second goal. Nah, it's I loved it. I fucking love those scenes because you know full well if we were part of those sort of scenes at High Marsh. It'd be fucking unreal. We've been part of those scenes, though. And we don't. Nah, we don't storm the pitch. Spilling onto the pitch behind the goals. I love yeah. that. I'm all about that. I think I'm all excellent. about that too. But we don't do it. So what's the reason we don't do it? I just I felt like there was a lot of Victory we're just, fans. We're just weak dogs storming the field in order <laughs> to like garner the camera's attention. There was a Probably. lot of guys grabbing. Yeah. Did you not see that? Uh, I just. Uh, I just. <laughs> I knew as soon as we got onto this, I knew how salty you were going to get very quickly. And you have. Right. That might do it for this week. If I can. Right. I'll just finish the episode with this, though, because now that we've finished and I berated your your argument about the Perth Glory players at Melbourne Victory, you left out Nick D'Agostino, mate. Of course, Daggers. Yeah. You left out daggers. How could you forget daggers? That was my fourth. That was my fourth. Uh, yeah, now you can have it. All right. Another good week. Thanks for tuning in. Get us, get around us on the social medias. Give us a like. Give us a share. Tell your mates. Um, we'll see you next week again. Hell yeah, we will.
Bye.